August made a list for us, a schedule of events, um, because she is our time uh, Nazi. And, and it's now all time stamped, and I just told her, you're one minute late and handing it over to me. It says 11.28, and that's 11.29. Um, but that's pretty good for our first time to actually pay attention. So, um, good morning once again. I'm excited to have you here today because we start a new series, and, and I'm really excited about our summer series. Uh, if you've been with us the last couple of years, what we do is, uh, in the summers, we kind of, we take a subject, a theme, or whatever, and we go the entire summer on it. We, we, a couple of years ago, we did Heroes of the Bible. Last year, we did Villains of the Bible. And, and this year, female is the future. Um, right, ladies? Yeah. You're so, I so believe you. Um, and we're doing the ladies uh, of the Bible. Twelve extraordinary women. Um, it was great. I had a couple of, uh, of the older ladies in the first um, service walk up to me, and they're like, um, I want to know when you're going to get to me. <laughs> I'm like, that's awesome. I was like, great. To which I said, well, you're definitely old enough to have been in Scripture. Um, <laughs> hey, you come at me, I come right back at you, okay? Um, she thought it was really funny. Uh, <laughs> she goes, you're right. I said, how was Jesus? Was he really cool to hang around with? Um, so, uh, so we're going to be focusing on every, every Sunday we'll be looking at a, a particular woman or a group of women, as, as the case may be, in a couple Sundays, and, and kind of look at what their stories, what their lives have to say about, about ours. You know, maybe what was said about them or what was said uh, or what they said or, or maybe just their story in general. Um, but before we get to that, I, I wanted to hit one more time uh, what, what's coming this fall. I talked about it last week, uh, but some of you weren't here, and so I wanted to share kind of the vision of what's happening in the fall, because I know some of you are going to disappear throughout the summer. Uh, this fall, we're going to begin a movement, not just a sermon series. There will be one that begins uh, this whole movement, but called Come to the Table. And, and the reason that we're doing this, the kind of thought process behind this is that, that most of Jesus's um, extreme moments of ministry happen around a table of some sort, either a table on a hillside, a table by the beach, or a table in an upper room, um, a table with tax collectors. There's a lot that goes on with Jesus around a table. And there, there's a reason behind that is because when you sit at a table and share a meal with someone, not in the way that modern day America has made it, but in, in the true sense of what it was meant to be, it's, it's a place to, to be known as a person and a place to know others. And so there's this great communal thing that happens around a table. And so we're going to focus on that, not just for a series, but for the entire year. And, and we're launching these groups called table groups in which um, you'll, be, you'll be with a group of, of families that, that meet at someone's house and, and share a meal. And, um, and then we have stuff that we're going to reach out to the community and, and invite them to our table to have a conversation with like our neighbors um, that, that we just tick off on Sunday mornings parking wise. And we're like, other than that, you know, we're done with you, but no, come to our table and let us know who you are and, and get to know us too. And um, so there's a lot of stuff in the children and youth departments will be going on. And, but one of the biggest changes and, and why we're talking about this now is uh, because there's the biggest shift will be on Sundays. On Sundays, we are going to change uh, our worship times and style arrangements. Uh, we will be going to three services in the fall. Uh, the first one will be at nine o'clock, and the nine o'clock service will be this service. So it'll be the contemporary uh, modality. Our worship team will be up there, um, and, and at nine o'clock, lights are out, be dark just as it is here. Um, and then at 10 o'clock, we're going to have uh, the grow hour, and that is a time where um, we'll have some Sunday school classes, some small group opportunities. Uh, there will be uh, breakfast in the gym. Um, so if you are a nine o'clock person, go down to the gym, have some breakfast, meet some of the 11 o'clock folks who are coming for the next service. 
The 11 o'clock service will be a traditional service, so like the 9.30 is now. Uh, it'll be uh, with the organ, with the choir, um, uh, with the, the, the liturgy, things of that nature. Um, lights will be on uh, in, in that service. Um, and then at 6 p.m., we'll come back and we'll do another service. That'll be the third that we're adding, and it'll be like this service. It'll be a contemporary service as well. Um, and so if you're rolling in from the coast and you're wearing a fishing shirt and you smell like you just had a great weekend, come on. Um, you know, at 6 p.m., come to church and we'll have a great time. The sermon will be the same um, bad sermon at every service, right? Uh, it's the same bad jokes. Jokes at 6 o'clock will probably be funnier, let's be honest. Um, so I'll have a whole day to work on them. Um, so <laughs> it'll be the same sermon. Uh, and uh, the worship team, will be bits and parts of it, will be the same at 9 and, and uh, 6. That's what's coming in the fall. I'm really excited about it and everything that's happening. And uh, we would love for you to be a part of the table groups. If, if something I said around that has sparked your interest, see Pastor Troy um, afterwards, because he's kind of setting those things up for us. And we would love for you to either host or be a part of it. Now, back to the ladies. So when you begin a service like this, when you begin a sermon series like this, you, you got to start at the very beginning, right? I mean, you have to start with the first female, with the woman, you know, as Adam called her. I will call her woman because she has come from man, right? Um, now, many of you may be a little bit nervous about what I'm going to do with this sermon. Um, when preachers start talking about Eve and the story of Eve, you can go a couple different ways. And sometimes when sermons have been delivered about uh, Eve over the course of the hundreds and hundreds of years that this, we've had this story, thousands of years. Um, what, is, what is done is, um, is using this story of Eve to say that women need to be subservient to men. And that's exactly the sermon I'm delivering today. Just kidding. Because um, I love my wife and a happy wife. It's a happy life. So we know who really runs the show, right? Um, so, that's not, I think, the greatest part of this story. That's not, that's not what we should focus on because as we talked about in the last sermon series, some of us are scared of the Old Testament and we run away and we shy away from the Old Testament because of the stories that are in there and, we just, and it's confusing to us. But we shouldn't. We should embrace that and, and see the, the beauty that is there. And, and the creation story, as we talked about, isn't necessarily Moses saying, this is exactly how it went down. It was Moses saying, no, no, no. God created everything. He wasn't trying to pr prove how he did it. He was just trying to tell us that it was indeed God who created all this stuff. So when we look at the garden story and the story of Adam and Eve, it, we can look at this not as Eve, the one, of course, the female messed it all up because she's a representation of all of us. Just as Adam is a representation of us, so is Eve. And so Eve is, when I see this story, I, temptation is the word that screams out to me. This story is a story about temptation. Now, Eve means the mother of all living. This is what Adam calls her. And he goes, I, I will name her Eve because she is going to be the mother of all living things, right? Because Adam was made out of dirt. You know, dudes are just made from dirt. But, but Eve was the firstborn, the first created flesh. And, and Adam is just, he says, this is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. And he has this immediate adoration for her and deep love for her. But then things happen. So in Genesis, which is where this story takes place, previously in Genesis, you have the creation of all things. God goes through this creation story. He creates man. And remember, he says, we've talked about this. I created male and female in my image. Both of us are created in the image of God. 
And, and before he does, the, the female, he has Adam, and he's like, ah, it's not good for Adam to be alone. He needs a partner. So he brings all the wild animals up, and, and he says, Adam, go ahead and give all these things names. And so Adam is like hippo, you know, apotamus uh, or something, you know, duck-billed platypus, you know, that was when he was really creative that day. Um, so he's naming all these things, and, and then God sits back and he's like, nah, none of them are good enough to be with you. And so he causes Adam to fall into a deep sleep, right? He, he, he puts him under, and he starts surgery, and he takes ribs, bones from his side, and, and he creates Eve from this, right? There's so many jokes about this, by the way, about Eve, you know, stuff. That, here's a punchline. Yeah, but what can I get for a couple of ribs? There you go. You can figure out the rest of that joke. Um, so, uh, so he creates woman, and, and, and Adam gets up, and he's like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And so they have this great partnership, and God goes, here's the garden. Here's, here is paradise and perfection. Have fun. Take care of it. All of this is for you. All of this is for you. And God goes, look, man, I've given you all of these plants and, and all this stuff to eat and all this fruit and all these animals to take care of you. This is all for you. But there's one tree in the middle. It's, there's the tree of life. Go ahead and eat from that all you want. But there's this one tree that's next to it. It's, it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from that. Because when you do, you're, you're bound to die. Right, this is, this is that prohibition, right? There's this, there's this tree in the center. Man, just don't, just stay away from that, trust me. And this is where the story picks up. Chapter three of Genesis. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? See. Here, here's what this whole story is about for me. This story is, this is the original sin. And we talked about this last summer because we hit the serpent as one of the villains of the Bible. And what this original sin is, is choosing our way over God's. That's it. That's where it all starts. Is we think we know better for our lives than God. And so we take the keys, we take the reins, we take control over our life and say, God, God, hey man, thanks for creating me and giving me life and everything, but I've got it from here. Right? This is where this enters in. The serpent comes to Eve and he says, hey, did God really tell you not to eat from any of the trees in the garden? This is how temptation begins. Because what you see the serpent doing here is going on the negative side of things, casting a negative light on God. And, and, and what it does is it causes Eve to doubt God's goodness. Because what he does, and it's very subtle there, right? He's like, did God say you couldn't eat from anything? And that's not what God said, right? God wasn't negative, God was positive. God was going, I've created all of this for you. Everything here is for you. Man, just eat it and enjoy it. It's gonna be amazing, this is paradise for you. Everything is for you. There's one tree you need to stay away from. But what, what the devil does is the devil focuses on that negative aspect. Oh man, God is so mean. Did he really tell you, you can't have anything? Nothing out here, he said don't eat from anything, right? And so you have this, this beginnings of these, this doubt. Well, did he say nothing? And this is how she responds. Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replies. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat, God said. You must not eat it 
or even touch it or you will die. See, right here, when we go down this walk of temptation, when that confusion starts to come in and, and, and Satan's trying to trip us up by his little word plays, like, oh, God said you can't have anything, what does Eve immediately do? She exaggerates the claim. God didn't say you can't touch it, right? God said, hey, look, don't eat it or you're sure to die. She's like, God said we can't even touch it. We can't eat it. We can't even touch it. God is mean. It's an angry God. And this is just where Satan wants her because he begins to confuse the truth in her mind. He begins to play with who she thinks God is and subsequently then who she is. She has this relationship with God in the garden and it's good. And then all of a sudden, the little seeds of doubt begin to grow. Oh yeah, he, he said we couldn't even touch it. And then the serpent says this, hey, you won't die. You won't die. In, in fact, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Do you see what the serpent's doing here? You see how temptation starts to turn? Because what he's saying is true. The serpent is saying, when you eat from that tree, you will understand what good and what evil truly are. That's true. But do you see how he's spinning it? Oh, you won't die. God's scared that you will become like him. God is scared that you can be God also. Man, how many times? Look, I, I gotta tell you, there's a lot of times when um, I'd like to know some answers to questions. There's a lot of things I wanna ask God and get the answers to. There's a lot of times where I look at stuff in this world and I'm like, why? Give me an explanation. I wanna know why. I wanna know why that happened. I wanna know why this exists. I wanna know why cancer exists. Mosquitoes, explain that to me, big fella, right? You know, there are certain things that I just, I need to know. But then when I sit back, I'm so thankful that I don't know it all. Like, imagine this, like, in my job, I, I have people come to me and, and I love it who come and, and they share their, their hard problems and things that are going on in their lives and families and, and all the hurts and heartaches that are going on and like, hey, can you sit down and just talk with us? You, you bet, come on in and I, and I pray for them and, and I hear a lot of stuff and, and it breaks my heart to see what, what families in our community are going through and the struggles that they have and, and, and people that are suffering through diseases and addictions and all those things just breaks my heart. And I have a tiny, tiny vision of the grand scheme of things. If I, if I understood the great wealth of, what, of, of hurt and anguish that was going on in this world, it would crush me. And, and I think this is what God's whole point is. Man, I'm not trying to keep it from you. You just can't handle it. I got this. You can have it if you want. He didn't put guard dogs around it, didn't put a fence around it. So the question is, well, well, why did the tree have to exist in the first place? Why was there that fruit that was so pretty and so tasty? Because see, that, 
That's what the serpent was pointing Eve's eyes towards. And he says, you know, your eyes will be opened. God knows this, man. You'll you'll be just like God. So the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. See, what the serpent does when these temptations arise is he points our eyes to something that is pretty, something that is tasty and will fill a hole that we have. We, We feel like it'll... It'll fix the problem, it'll fix the hurt, it will fill that void that we have. Whatever that temptation is, wherever we get it. And so why was the tree there? The tree was there so that we could be free. If we were truly to be made in the image of God, to have the ability to morally choose right and wrong, we must have the choice to make. And so God set the tree there and created male and female in his image and said, this is how you are to live, but you choose. And more often than not, we look to the the pretty, tasty, driven thing and say, that seems a whole lot easier. I'm going to choose that, right? And so Eve chooses that path. And, and, and what's happening here is she's justifying things. She's like, well, well God should have told us this. He shouldn't, he shouldn't have kept us from this. He shouldn't have put it right in the middle of the garden where we'd have to see it all the time. It's pretty, it's tasty, and it will give me what I think I need. I, 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 sh- I know I shouldn't eat from that tree, but you know, it's been a really hard week. Have you ever been there? Like, I, I, don't, I don't know what your tree is. I don't know what that fruit that dangles in front of you and you're like, ooh, that's pretty. That looks delicious. That will give me what I need. But if you ever start a statement this way, I know I shouldn't eat from that tree, but justification. Do you, do you ever do that? Am I the only one that does that? Okay, so here's, here's one. I'm not gonna you know, pull the curtain too far back to show you all my temptations because <laughs> you'd run screaming and crying. Um, but one of them is food for me. Um, and you're like, yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah, I, that's why I wear, I'm trying to, you know, do I look thinner in the Wyvera? Because I may start wearing these then. Um, so I have a beard. Um, I, I've had a beard for 13 years. Um, and I told Janet when I lost 20 pounds, I would shave it. 13 years, still have it, um, there you go. <laughs> and it's now up to like 30 pounds I gotta now lose. And, um, but so food is, I, I love to eat. I love to, I mean, I, I like food, uh, I just do. Uh, y'all have heard my, my thing with fried pickles when you were here uh, a, f- a few sermons ago, a long time ago. I, I like fried food, if you can fry it, I can eat it. Um, and it's wonderful and um, it's not good for me, the things that I like, because um, nothing that is good for you tastes good, right? Um, the pretty tasty stuff is, is never good for you. And, and so I, we like to go out, Jenna and I, uh, we like to go out and, and eat and have little treats and stuff. And, and so here's, and look, we, we've set out a plan for our life that hopefully we're trying to follow. And, and, I, and I have a plan for my, God gave me this body and I need to take care of it. And, and I need to honor him by how I operate in my body. And I need to eat better and, and work out and all that stuff. And he's given us finances and we need to budget and we need to have limits on ourselves. But so often Jenna and I will say this, and I'm throwing you under the bus with me, baby, um, is, 
I know we shouldn't go out to eat tonight, but man, it was a hard day with grace, right? I mean, man, we do that a lot. I know, I know we shouldn't order that second bottle of wine. Not right, second glass, maybe. But man, man, it was a hard day with grace. She was all over us. See, that's, that's how easy it is. That's how easy it is to see that tree in the center and to know that God has said, hey man, I want you to have all of that. Just stay away from this because look, it's not because I'm trying to prevent you, it's because I know. How often do we use that statement? I know I shouldn't, but man, it's that easy. That's how he gets us. Because it's not some big momentous thing that he's gonna dangle in front of us. That's too hard. See, it's easier just to dangle that little bitty fruit out there that's so pretty and so tasty. And we think it will fill what we need. It will fill that void. But see, when we do that, when we choose ourselves over God, what we've done is we've broken that relationship. We've broken that trust. Because what happens is, is Eve takes the, the, takes the fruit and she eats it. And then she gives it to her husband and says, eat this. And he's like, okay. So we're stupid. We just, you know, put, eat whatever is put in front of us, right? Eat this. And immediately their eyes are opened and they know good and evil and they know all this stuff. And all of a sudden they're like, dude, you're naked. And they hide. They see their nakedness. They've exposed themselves and they hide and they get fig leaves and create little coverings for themselves to try to cover their guilt and their shame. Because what, what Satan was offering them was independence and freedom and power, but what they really got was guilt and shame. Because independence doesn't come from selfishness. Power doesn't come from choosing ourselves. But that's always what happens. And so they're hiding and God walks through. It's the cool of the evening, it says. And God is walking through the garden. He's like, Adam, Eve, where are you? They hear him and they hide behind the bushes, right? He's God, he knows where they are. He created them. He's got them on GPS lockdown. He's like, hey, where are you guys? Y'all wanna go for a walk? And Adam's like, sorry, we're hiding. Why are you hiding from me? Well, because we're naked. And I love this, this is one of my favorite lines of scripture. God goes, who told you? <laughs> I love that. Who told you you were naked? And then he says, did you eat from the tree? He knows, right? He's not asking the questions for his own benefit, he's asking for Adam and Eve's. Did you succumb? Did you choose your way? And, there, and then begins the greatest human game ever the shifting blame game, right? Because, because he asks Adam, God asks Adam, did you eat from that tree that I told you not to eat from? And do you remember what Adam says? He does a double blame shift, right? No, 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 the woman you gave me had me eat it, right? He's passing it to her and to God. He's like, no, no, no. I was fine by myself, God, but you had to put her here. The woman you gave me did it. And so he turns to Eve and he's like, whoa, what's up with this, Eve? And what does Eve do? No, 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 the serpent made me do it. They can't pass the buck fast enough, 
right? That, sh- gain, that, that, that shame and guilt is covering them so much, exposing them so much that they're like, no, 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 I don't want to look at myself. It's him. Somebody else. Somebody else made me do it. It's Flip Wilson. Those of you who are old enough would say, the devil made me do it. Joe killed at 930. <laughs> Actually, I didn't use it. At 930, lady goes, remember Flip Wilson? I'm like, no, I'm 45. Um, the devil made me do it, right? We shift that blame onto someone else because we don't want to look at ourselves. And so then God does something extraordinary as he levels these curses because the relationships have been broken. And every time you choose to do something, there is a consequence that follows. And the consequence here was a broken relationship. And, and he says to the serpent, because you have done this, You are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman. Amen, ladies who like snakes. And between your offspring and her offspring. He levels this judgment upon the serpent. He levels a judgment upon Eve, and he levels a judgment upon Adam. He says, because you think you choose yourself, because you think you know better than I do, this is how it's going to be. I'm not going to cause this. You are. Because every time you step out of my path and into yours, this will play out. The hurt and the heartache the suffering, because you choose you over me. It's kind of a bummer, right? Paul says to the people in Rome, he's like, man, through one man, sin came throughout humanity. Through one man's choice to choose himself over God, sin is ushered into everyone. But then there's something else in this story. There's something else in what God says to the serpent specifically. And that as you see what happens throughout Genesis, and there's very little left of Eve's story from this, you see that she heard what he said to the serpent. You see that Adam understood what God says. Because what God says next is, he says, your offspring will not get along with his offspring. And he, Eve's offspring, will crush you and you will strike at his heel. See, what God is doing right there is he's casting the rest of the story. At this moment, in the beginning of scripture, in Genesis three, God calls his shot. From this point forward, you will always, the serpent, Satan, be at the heels of my children, and you will cause them to fall left and right. You will be tempting them every day of their life because of this choice, because they've chosen themselves over me, this is how it's gonna roll. But there will be a time when one of Eve's offspring comes and crushes you. See, what Paul says to the Romans is he's like, look, through one man, sin came into the world, but through one man, sin has left the building. And redemption has come. Through Adam, the sin has entered in, but through Jesus, Salvation came. It is through our hope in him, it is through our life in him, that we find strength to choose God's way over ours. I I see this story of Eve as, 
is one that speaks of temptation. One that, that causes me to look at my own trigger spots. The moments when I am tempted. When am I tempted? Generally, it's when I'm alone by myself. Right? The serpent pulls Eve off by herself. When I'm with a group of people that maybe aren't on the same path that I am following God. When you're tempted, are you ever around like a group of hardcore believers? Generally not, because we keep one another in check. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says, don't neglect the meeting together because in those moments you have the strength to overcome what the world throws at you. Don't neglect those times to stay together as a family of God. I see those trigger spots in my life. And, and, I, and hopefully I'm learning that when they come, to run away. But what I take from this most of all is the hope that comes at the end of this story. Because what God does is he purposefully goes and he finds them as they're lost in their guilt and their shame and they're hiding and they're trying to cover themselves up with fig leaves. And he gives them this promise that in the future, your child will bring redemption to all things. And then he does one more thing. He gives them clothing. He, he, it says that he gives them animal skins to cover themselves. He says, look, I know that you've, you've exposed yourself to such a great degree that you're ashamed and your guilt is full. Well, let me cover that. Let me take care of you. And in order to do that, he has to kill. In order to give them animal skins to wear, he's got to sacrifice a couple of animals. And so what God is doing right here at the very beginning in the story is setting forth this sacrificial system that will come into play as he brings the people out of Egypt and he begins to set these laws in motion saying that it is through the sacrifice of an animal that you are covered and that you are cleansed. And then, and then he takes it even further and he says, but then there will be one day when the Lamb of God comes and gives himself up. It is the last sacrifice that will have to happen. That the Lamb of God dies for the sins of the world. That is our covering. That is the clothing that he gives us and says, put this on and find freedom. Put this on and find life. So I don't know where you are today. I don't know where you are with temptation and what that temptation is. I don't know what your I should, I know I should not, but I statement is. But you do. I, I don't know the, the level of guilt and the shame that you sit in and because of the temptations that you fall under. But I know that you do. And I don't know where you are on, on accepting that clothing that Christ gives us and living into that promise that he will crush the head of the serpent. Maybe you've, you put on that robe a long time ago, that robe of righteousness. But maybe the hem is a little bit tattered and torn because if you're like me, you keep stepping on it. And you need a fresh reminder. The worship team is slowly coming back.
According to schedule, I'm one minute ahead. Bam! Rocking it. Please, please. I'm going to have the prayer team come up, and we're doing one more song. Um, I lost my schedule. I don't know what the song is. Um, but we're going to do one more song. I'm going to invite you into another time of worship, a time to respond. And, and this is why we move the offertory, because it's in moments like this where, where God, and it's not anything that I've said, it's God whispering in your hearts maybe that he's like, look, you need to go get some freedom from this. You need to go feel that clothing of righteousness put on you. Take those, rip those fig leaves away, man, and, and feel the clothing of Jesus. Run away from that temptation. It, understand it. Claim it. And say that today it has been crushed. So if you need that moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to sing another song. Just stand. Everybody stand. If you need to come forward and get prayer, come get prayer. Father, we thank you and praise you for this time together. We thank you so much, God, for the life of your daughter, your first daughter, Eve, for the way that she showed us that everybody fails, but also that you forgive. Father, help us to understand what it means when we walk into our path as opposed to yours. And help us to understand that that doesn't make us bad because you make us right. Let us know the power of forgiveness that comes with knowing and believing in the death and resurrection of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.